Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. In my first life in ministry, I spoke to high school students, about two million of them. And it didn't matter if I was in the inner city of Houston or New Orleans or Los Angeles or some large city or even a small area. I would always begin every school assembly by saying, I'm going to tell you what the greatest desire is of every person in this room. And it, you know, it was always interesting where you were. I'm obviously a Mexican. And so, you know, typical kind of if I was in an affluent white school, kids were like, really? Like he knows, you know, and then. If, you know, depending on where you were, different kids' response. And then I would say, I'm going to tell you what it is. Listen carefully. The whole school, 2,000 kids in the school assembly would quiet down. And I would say the number one desire of every person in this room is to come from a happily family or to one day have one yourself. And it's true. It doesn't really matter where you came from. This past week at, at Husband University, and it starts at 6.30, ends promptly at 7.30, I asked the 215 men that were there, how many of you want a marriage like your parents, and how many of you want to be like your father? There was 215 men here. And I asked those men to raise their hand and then to stand up. Do you know how many men stood up? 21. That means that less than 10% of the men that were here said, I have a model, I have a picture of what I want to be like. I have a model in my mind of, of how I want things to go. Because here's the truth. The truth is, if you don't prepare for a different way, you fall into the flesh pattern of what you've experienced, even if you hate it. I told the men on Wednesday night, you don't rise to the occasion, you fall to your level of preparation. So if you don't know how, then you will end up on the other side of becoming the very thing that you hate. And some of you already know this because you've already experienced this in your own life. And it doesn't matter where you are. This isn't a geographics thing. We're streaming live right now to our campus in New Iberia. Come on, give all those folks at Tabasco Town a big hand. That's your people. We hadn't forgot your people over here. And so my heart's desire is to help you, to help you build a marriage legacy. And it doesn't matter where you start. You might be in your third marriage like Eric Calicolo's friend. That was pretty crazy, by the way. You, you might be there. The grace of God may have found you at 40 or at 50 or at 60. It doesn't matter where you start, the grace of God finds you, and you can begin from that moment giving a legacy that maybe you never inherited yourself. How many of you would like to leave an amazing inheritance to your children? Raise your hand. How many of you would like to leave so much to your children that your grandchildren get to live off of it too? Okay. Well, I want today, today to tell you that it's possible for you to leave a bigger inheritance to your children than Bill Gates. 
It's actually possible for you to live a greater inheritance than Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, or even Michael Jordan, who makes more money in royalties each year now from his Nike products and his emblem and likeness than he ever did while he was playing basketball. You say, Pastor, what, what, what do you mean? Well, apparently, all the money in the world couldn't keep these men and women married. So apparently, it's easier to make a fortune than to make a marriage last. The psalmist David wrote in Psalms 92, verse 12, The righteous will flourish like a date palm, long-lived, upright, and useful. They will grow up like a cedar in Lebanon, majestic and stable, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God, growing in grace. They will thrive and bear fruit and prosper in their old age. They will flourish and be vital, fresh, rich, in trust, in love, and contentment. Read this with me. They are living memorials to declare that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promises. By sacrificing to build a healthy marriage, you can leave a legacy and a generational blessing that will impact your children and your grandchildren for years to come. Like David wrote 3,000 years ago, you become a living monument that God is faithful to his promises. That he's faithful. It's been said some people are so poor when they die, all they leave their children behind is money. The wisest man that ever lived besides Jesus, his name was King Solomon. He was David's son. And he wrote in Proverbs 22.1, a good name earned by honorable behavior, godly wisdom, moral courage, and personal integrity, read it with me, is more desirable than what? So you can leave an inheritance that's greater than the wealthiest people in the world. Pastor, how can I do that? You can do this by learning to build a marriage that lasts. It doesn't matter if you're single. If you don't get a picture of what the future should be, and if you don't start preparing for it, you know what the tragedy of marriage is? I mean, I'm a hunter. Is there any hunters here? Raise your hand. Okay, any women here that hunt? Come on! I love Louisiana. You know, when you want to hunt... If you want to get a hunting license, you know what you got to do? You got to go three weekends in a row and take a course. And then they show you all of these different animals. And then they show you different guns. And then they take you and show you how to shoot a gun. And they watch you and they teach you hunting safety. If you want to drive a boat, you got to go online and you got to take a long course and do all of this and then go buy a certificate. If you want to get married... All you have to do is show up at the courthouse with somebody semi-breathing. Can I tell you this? There's been a lot more damage done by people that were married that didn't have a clue of why they were getting married than there have been with guns and with boats ever in history. So how can I build a marriage that lasts, Pastor? by building on three principles that are very powerful and very biblical. Number one, understanding the purpose of marriage. Say that with me, the purpose of marriage. Okay, that, that was so weak. So I want to ask you, what is the purpose of marriage? Well, 
Some spiritual leaders believe it's procreation. (laughs) However, a lot of people have proven you don't have to be married to procreate. Our generation has surely done that. Well, what is the purpose of marriage? What did God have in mind when he created man and then created woman? What was God's original intention from his word? Let me make it very simple for you, and then I'm going to give you the practical scriptures to go along with it. The purpose of marriage is that God loved your mate so much that he gave your mate to you so that he could show them how much he loves them through you. Let me say that again. God loved Michelle so much that he gave her to a Mexican that he drug out of a bar in the inner city of Houston, transformed, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, renewed his mind with the word of God, gave him a dream, a dream that began when I was nine years old, sitting on my front porch when my mom and dad would have the police coming again on their way to five divorces. Sitting there, hearing the fights, night after night, week after week, And saying to myself, I don't know how, but one day my kids will not go through this hell. I don't know what it will take. I don't know how it will happen, but one day my children will not go through this. And that God gave Michelle to me so that he could show her how much he loved her through me. How do we flesh that out? The purpose of marriage is not choosing who you get to get from for the rest of your life, but who you get to give yourself to for the rest of your life. It's not who will serve you for the rest of your life, but you get to choose who you're going to serve for the rest of your life. If you were here last week, you'll understand point number two. If not, I'll I'll cover it so that you'll get it. Number two is, you learn to live out the second greatest command by living out the first one. Remember, I talked to you last week about the first commandment. It was in Mark chapter 12, and the the Jewish teachers and rabbis are arguing amongst themselves a common argument, which is the greatest commandment. There was over 500 laws of Moses. So they brought this to Jesus. And one of the scribes, an expert in the Mosaic law, came up listening to them arguing with one another and noticed that Jesus answered them well. And he asked him, Which commandment is the first and most important of what? All. And Jesus answered, the first and most important one is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul life, with all your mind, thoughts, and understanding, with all your strength. And the second commandment is like it. You shall unselfishly love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Now, remember, I told you that the New Testament was written in Greek and that there are three different words in the Greek language for love. One is eros. It's where we get the word erotic. It refers to physical intimacy. Whatever every married man is praying for on Valentine's Day, which by the way, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Ladies, okay, so men, number one, there must be a card. Ladies, I'm giving you an opportunity to jump in now. There should be a card. Okay. Flowers. Dinner at a nice restaurant is preferable. If not, 
bring home steaks and grill them at home. Okay? Jewelry isn't necessary, but it's always appreciated. <laughs> this word, eros, refers to physical intimacy. But then there's the second word, phileo. It's where we get the city named Philadelphia from. It means friendship. And I told you that eros, physical intimacy, is based upon emotions. You knew that when Kenny G was playing and you had a romantic dinner and everything was going to be great and the kids woke up and started throwing up and Cupid got shot out of the sky instantly. And then phileo. There, there are people we have that are friends, very close friends that hurt our feelings and they're no longer our friends. But the third word and the word that Jesus used in quoting this in the Greek language about the love that he's talking about that we should love God with was the word agape. And the word agape means to unselfishly choose for the highest good of someone else, even at your own expense. That's the word that was written in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. He agaped the world. He so loved the world that he chose the highest good for the world, even at his own expense, the expense of his son. That is the love that he's talking about. And until we've experienced that love between us and God we don't even know how to love ourselves, much less our neighbor. What are the three longings that every single person has? Number one, the desire to be totally loved. I love you always, no matter what. Can, can I tell you this? Very few human beings have that capacity for any period of time. I love you no matter what. God is the only one that always loves us no matter what. You know what the amazing thing about God is? When we meet somebody, we think if they knew the worst part about us, they would never love us. You know what's so wonderful about God? He's the only one that knows everything about me, and he's still the one that loves me the most. He's still the one that loves me the most. I will always love you. Number two, total understanding. Listen. I've been married 40 years and 30 days today. I'm a member of the 40-30 club. I have children that are 20 to 37 and there's six of them and they still do things I don't understand. Does anybody have children that do things you don't understand? Does anybody have mates that do? Don't point. Okay, total understanding. And here's the other one, third one, total security. I will never leave you I will always provide for you. Do you know the only person that can do those three things consistently and perfectly and never fail at them is who? God. But look at me. If you try to get those needs and you strap them onto a human being, you will always be disappointed. I told you last week, anytime you put divine expectations on a human being, you're always going to be disappointed. There is one person that belongs on the throne of our heart is Lord, and that's Jesus. And he's the only one who said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He's the only one that understands me when I go through things that I can't even articulate. Most importantly, until I can receive this, look at me. I don't even love myself. You know what I've discovered about people that won't forgive? I've discovered that the reason most people will not forgive others is because they've never learned to receive forgiveness in areas of their own life. 
This kind of love begins with God. He's the originator of it, not you. And if I receive it from him, I can share it with Michelle. But she's not the author of it. There's not enough Victoria's Secret. There's not enough plastic surgery. There's not enough heart change that can happen for me to surrender to God and that love then be transferred from God through me to her without God. Do you know what most addictions are? It's people putting on another thing, whether it's a chemical or a person, what can only be satisfied by God himself. You and I are incapable of total love, total understanding, and total security. But until I receive these from God, I cannot share them with my neighbor. If these three basic needs are not met by God, I will always try to strap them on someone else. So, Pastor, who who is my neighbor? If Jesus said I should love my neighbor like I love myself, this agape love, who, who is my neighbor? Well, I live at 220. Does that mean my neighbor is 219? 221? You know who my closest neighbor is? The woman that sleeps next to me every night. That's actually my neighbor. And here's the powerful truths that Jesus is saying. Until you learn to love my father and he totally forgives you and redeems you and washes you from generational stains that have been in your life that you wrestle with yourself, you will never have the capacity to be a conduit for the love of God to come through you to someone else. As strange as it may sound, most of us, Our most difficult problem is not loving other people, it's loving ourselves. Some of you don't like you. Can I give you a simple revelation from God that will help you? I love me. As a matter of fact, how many of you know people that everywhere they go, they find someone that doesn't like them? You know what? If you come in with the premise that nobody likes you, you'll always find somebody that agrees with you. But look at me. I love me. Some Mexican. I like tall Mexicans. I like Cajun Mexicans. Do you know why? This This is the only tent God gave me. And for me... To not love me is to not love who God created me to be. Is there stupid stuff that I wrestle with? Yes. Do I have pride? Of course I do. You're thinking that now and I'm going, I love me. They're so proud. I can't even believe how proud he is. Yeah, but the difference between me and you is you, you think that you just don't say it. I just at least say it. You just sit there going, I love me some being. I'm smarter than everybody in here. I'm better looking than everybody in here. I just know what's going on. People knew what I had going on. They would know. I don't know where everybody else is here. They just fall short of who I am. Let me tell you something. Joe Burrow risks he was me. <laughs> Listen carefully to me. One of the greatest gifts God will ever give you is to show you how much he loves you. And for you to believe it, he loves you that much. You must be lovable to yourself. I just got the free songs. 
Colossians 2.10 says, you don't need a telescope or a microscope. This is the message translation or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ in the emptiness of the universe without him. When you come to him, that fullness comes together for you too. Only Christ can fully complete me. You see, there's two different words in the Greek language for life. One is bio. It's where we get biology from. But the other one is zoe. Okay? Man is alive. That's bio. Zoe is he who has the son has life. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That means the life of God. And here is the incredible key as a Christian to know. You can get all of the trinkets, all of the accomplishments, all of the accolades of bio. You can win a Heisman Trophy. You can be the best looking. You can be the richest. You can be the smartest. But it will never satisfy the Zoe. You were created in the image of God himself, and you will never be fulfilled until you are reconnected to the very creator that made you. Never. Never. That's why Deion Sanders, after playing in a Super Bowl and winning a Super Bowl and flying back and forth in a helicopter to play in the World Series, was driving over the Cincinnati Bridge, if you've ever been there, and he was driving in a sports car and he said, I have everything that I've always ever wanted and I tried to drive off the bridge and kill myself. Why? Because every single thing that you can have in this world will never satisfy what's not in this world, and that's the eternal longing of God's image made inside you and me. Look at me, men. Romance won't feel that. Romance won't feel that. I truly believe with all my heart that most sex additions come because people are trying to find in their mate what they can only find in God. And bio can only give you bio. It cannot give you Zoe. Here is the second thing. Or the third one. Be prepared for half of you to die so that your marriage can live. Well, that's encouraging, isn't it? I can hear y'all just clapping over there. Yes. You see, if two are going to become one, half of somebody's got to die on each side. You see, marriage is not 50-50. That's a divorce. <laughs> Let me just see if I can get some real honest souls up in this house. Okay. How many of you have been married, let's say, 30 years or more? Raise your hand. Okay. How many have been married 40 years? Raise your hand. Anybody here been married 50 years? Raise your hand. Stand up. You've been married 50 years. Come on, stand up. Give those people a big hand. Come on. Thank you. You're living memorials that God's faithful to his promises. Come on. Okay, thank you. How many of you have been married 10 years or less? Raise your hand. Shut up, you don't know anything. Just thought I'd share that with you from the 40 plus club. You see, half of you has to die. 
Ephesians 5, 24, the Apostle Paul kind of tells us how this plays out. Listen to what he says. In the same way that the church is devoted to, we're all here because we love Jesus. We're devoted to him. Let wives be to their husbands. Come on. What's those next two words? Oh, I underlined that in my Bible because you know what that means? Everything. In case you were wondering what that means in the Greek, it means everything. Ladies at home, watch it online. It means everything. Okay. It's a joy to watch a woman who is devoted to her husband. It's incredibly rare. When I came to South Louisiana from the Mexican ghetto of Houston, the first family I really got close to was the Landry family. They had, they had two daughters and I lived with them, but, but a large family was the Bodwin family. They had unpainted furniture by Louise. The uncle had stomas, lazy boys, sofas and chairs. They were all in the furniture business and, and they were a big, big family. I led most of their children to Christ. Many of you know Pastor David Bodwin. He was nine years old. He used to climb up on my lap and I would kiss him on the head. Every now and then when I want to embarrass him and we're in a staff meeting, I go, come on, come sit on my lap. Thank God he has it. But he became a pastor. His brother became a pastor. And of course, I married Michelle. Sister became a missionary. God, God just moved in the entire family. But, but one of the things that astounded me coming from where I came from was I'd go over to their house to eat on Sunday and like the guys would sit down and like the women would serve them. I'm like, are y'all paying them? And you know what I discovered? Women were devoted to their husbands and they enjoyed doing that. Now, ladies, I see y'all. That macho, muchacho, Mexican thing, women are to be serving men. But what I, what I was astounded by is like all the women there, even the young ones that weren't married were devoted to serving. And then Miss Louise, who had seven children and a successful business, was devoted to her husband. And the way she spoke of him, like everybody would be down here talking. And she'd go, well, Brian said. And it was like when, when you mentioned his name, it was like he was lifted to another stratosphere. And I'll tell you all the truth. I fell in love with what I saw. And I started figuring out, how can I become a part of this? Now, Michelle was 13. They would have thrown me in prison. And I waited five years. I waited five years. Because I fell in love with Miss Louise and knew if I married into that family, I could marry someone who could produce a family just like that. Someone whose well-being was not connected to money. Someone whose well-being was not connected to the house they lived in. Someone whose well-being wasn't connected to how they looked, but someone whose well-being was connected to their husband and their children and their family. And you know what it made those men want to do? Look right here, man. Serve those women back. Serve those women back. So it says... Wives, be devoted 
to your husbands in everything. Now, men, get ready. Here comes your neat part. And to the husbands, you are to demonstrate your love for your wives with the same devotion. What? The Christ demonstrates. I mean, don't you see that? That's kind of like you picture Jesus petting a little lamb. Like, honey, I just love rubbing your back. Just like rubbing your feet. That's just sweet. Hold it. But, but he goes on to say, with tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us, his bride. Now read this next part. For he died for us and... Whoa, whoa, what? She gets to be devoted and I got to die. What kind of swap is this? Someone said masculinity is the glad embrace of sacrificial responsibility. To be a man, a husband, is, is, is a glad embrace of sacrificially accepting responsibility. What did Christ do to prove his devotion for you and me? People go, well, Pastor, he died on the cross. No, that's the last thing he did. That's the last thing he did. You see, before Jesus ever came to earth, he was in heaven with God the Father. He was enthroned right next to him. He saw as the world was created and God created a paradise and he put Adam and Eve in there and gave them one choice, like an apple. Like how much more difficult or how much easier could it be? This isn't a difficult decision. Just, just obey me. Don't eat of one tree. There's hundreds of thousands of others. Just don't eat of one. And then they ate. And in four chapters, the world was so wicked that in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and the thoughts of his heart were only to do evil continually. And it grieved God at his heart. His plan was broken. If you've ever had a child, a teenager, an adult break your heart, you know. It was broken. How would God redeem man? All of heaven's watching. And Jesus steps forward and says, Father, I'll go. The angels, what? I'll, I'll leave being worshiped. I'll leave being adored. I'll leave the throne. And I will go to earth. Can you imagine that conversation in heaven? watch this. And God came to earth in Jesus and God became not a man, a baby. God who needs nothing and no one came to a place where he could actually do nothing at all for himself. Nothing. Look right here, men. That's the first picture of marriage. Baby, it's you and me, ride or die. If you're not happy, I'm not happy. If you're miserable, I'm miserable. If you don't have peace, I don't have peace. Because we're one. From now on, we're one. You leave your independence behind. You leave your place of stability and security alone by yourself. 
behind. Jesus became a baby. He came to earth. He became a baby. What else did he do? He submitted to a 14-year-old illiterate peasant girl. This is the equivalent of Jesus becoming a shrimper in Delcom. And he submitted. And here's the last thing that he did. No, he dies. But before he died, watch this. He was betrayed by all those that he loved. He was betrayed by all those that he loved. Look right here. How many of you like blessing people and being good to people? And you're generous? Raise your hand. How many would like them to at least remember that every now and then? I mean, you don't need a card every day, but you know, you'd like to remember that, huh? When I read the story of Jesus going to the cross and there's a couple of women, the Roman soldiers that have to be there in John, I have some problems with some people in the Bible. Where was Lazarus, who he raised from the dead? In his darkest hour, where were the lepers that he healed? Like, where were the blind guys? Where was the person that he healed at the pool of Bethsaida that had been laying there year after year after year after year? Where are these people? When you die, you have to leave everyone. But when you're alive and everyone leaves you, that's how you feel sometime in marriage. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, yes, you do. Remember, this is the 40-year 30 club talking to you. Yes, you do. You say, Pastor, how do you stay when you feel like you're not understood, when you don't feel like you're getting the love you're going to get, when you feel like you're not getting what you need out of a marriage relationship? Are there times where I felt like I was giving 125%, Michelle was giving 75? Absolutely. Are there times where I felt like I was giving 150 and she was giving 50? Absolutely. And probably when I feel like I'm at those times, she's probably sitting there going, I'm giving 150 and he's giving 50. You say, Pastor, how can you do that for another person? I'm not doing it for another person. I'm doing it for God and for the legacy that I'm going to leave to my children and my grandchildren and the generational curses that we've been broken in behalf of that. That's who I'm doing it for. Grandchildren that don't even know me yet. Great-grandchildren that don't have a clue yet. It's to die. It's to die. How how is that fleshed out? My marriage lives to the degree that I die to myself. It lives to the degree that I die to myself. The more I die to my pride, my independence, my insecurity, worshiping my own opinion, that's called stubbornness. The more my marriage lives, I must die to independence to live to interdependence between she and I surrendered to Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, like, I mean, y'all know I'm really a funny preacher and all of that. Usually y'all are laughing and enjoying yourself. People came walking out today going, you say, Pastor, you're serious. You better believe I'm serious. Because the greatest gift you will ever give your children is to teach them to love God and to love one person for a lifetime. It is the greatest gift you're ever going to give them. 
It will determine their financial well-being. It will determine their educational status. It will determine their mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional well-being. All of it. So I want to close by being nicer than I'm being now. So I want to give you the three things I prayed that I would be able to say since I was that kid sitting on the front porch waiting for the police to come again. These are three prayers that I've had that my children would be able to say about Michelle and I. Number one, I can't wait to get married and love my wife like my father loves my mother. I have five boys. I can't wait to grow up and love my wife like my father loves my mother. And that my daughter would be able to say, I can't wait to grow up and have someone love me like my daddy loves my mama. And for me to love a man like she loves and honors and respects him. Number two, I want them to be able to say, I never remember a day my parents were not loving me and praying for me. Loving me and praying for me. And look, look right here. I want you to hear this. Pastor, my family's far from perfect. My children have gone through drugs. They've gone through addiction. Some have gone through treatment. We've gone through heartache and heartbreak. But I discovered an important principle if we hold on to the word of God and if we don't quit, we win every time. Here's the final one. I don't know what God's like, but he must be something like my daddy and my mama. I don't know what he's like, but he must be something like them. Marriage is a journey and our children have a front row seat to it. And after teaching them to love God with all of their heart, there's no greater responsibility and privilege than showing them how to love their mates for a lifetime. Look here. Look right up here. I don't want anyone here to leave condemned today. Okay. If you're here and you're living with somebody, repent and get married. We'll marry you for free and the church is free. You have no excuse. Clap now. I've been saying that for weeks and every week we've been marrying people. We married somebody after a prayer meeting on Wednesday morning. They came at 630 and said, you've been saying get married. Could you marry us? We married them right there after the prayer meeting. So if, if you want to get married, matter of fact, I think I'm doing a wedding today right after this service. There's no reason for you not to be married. Money is not an issue. Church is not an issue. And a preacher is not an issue. If you're living unmarried, it's because you choose to live in sin and disobey your father who knows what's best for you. Well, thank you for that golf clap. But today, look at me. Let's leave a legacy for our children. And for our grandchildren. I have, to, I have to tell you this story. And if you've heard this story, then I ask you to forgive me. 
The most godly family that I've ever known is Michelle's mom and dad. They were married for almost 60 years before Mr. Brian went to be with the Lord. When they had seven children, he was on the road selling razors as a chic razor representative in stores. Miss Louise, to support their seven children, began a little store called Unpainted Furniture by Louise that ended up being the largest unfinished furniture store in the South before it was over with, and it remained open for 50 years. Her brother-in-law was provoked by what she did by herself, and he began stomas, lazy boy, sofas and chairs, because he saw what she did. In 1977, they had seven children. They started dating and liking each other at Cathedral Carmel in fifth grade. The boys would come to mass and the girls would be there and they would try to catch each other's eye in fourth grade. At 18, when Mr. Bryan was entering his freshman year of college, they married. He was 19, I think, and she was 18. They moved next door and lived in the same house that they still own to this day and lived for over 50 years. It's the only house my children ever know them living in. Their children ever known them living in. But he had a problem. He was an only child. He had an overbearing father. And when pressure came, he didn't know what to do. And so he drank. Thinking that the church was the answer, he went to mass every day of his life. Every day. And would confess and ask for help with alcohol but still remain bound. Then one day in 1977, 78, he was coming back from around by the cathedral and there was a little church that had just opened up, a non-denominational church on University Street. And he went and he knocked on the door and a pastor came out and he said, I know you don't know me, but my name is Brian Bodwin. I go to mass every day. My wife and my children are separated from me because I'm an alcoholic and we're most likely will be divorced. Can you help me? That man taught him about what it was to be born again, prayed for him. He received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Was instantly delivered from alcohol. Went, told Miss Louise that evening, brought her back to the same meeting. She was born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit. Today, half of their children are in ministry. Half of their grandchildren are in ministry. Catholic and Protestant, full-time Christian service. And none of that would have happened had the grace of God not found them. Today, it's my privilege to be married to their daughter was creating the same legacy that she received because of the grace of God encountering a man. Today, I want to challenge you. I don't know where you are in your relationship. I don't know where things are in your marriage, but I know God and the God of all grace and the grace of God now. And he wants to help you. He wants to help you. Father, today, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every marriage represented here. 
I pray, Father, for every marriage here. The enemy has assaulted the marriage today. He's assaulted the family. He's attempted to redefine it and to destroy it. But you're the one that instituted it. I ask you to raise up from this house an army of people that are a beacon of light in marriage. Not perfect. Not without fault. Not without shortcomings. Not without sin. But people that are committed to the process of following you on the good days and the bad. I pray for this house, Father. Restore. Heal. I pray for many that have been divorced and are still holding on to barbs of things that have stumbled them and and caused them to dig pits that they never get past to get to a new relationship that you may want to bring to them. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus, breathe the Zoe life of God upon us today. to hope again, to believe your promises again, to believe that one day we can be living memorials, that God is faithful to his promises. And now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you the most important question of your life. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he said, don't be surprised that I tell you, you must be born again. Have you been born again? You say, Pastor, I've been christened. I've been baptized. I've joined the church. Isn't that good enough? That's a great start. But that's not what Jesus said in John 3, 3. He said, unless you're born again, you won't see the kingdom of heaven. You won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? Every person born since Adam and Eve has been born spiritually dead. Mother Teresa was born spiritually dead. Billy Graham was born spiritually dead. And you and I were born spiritually dead. In the moment that we pray to be born again. And God grants us the gift of repentance. That moment we become spiritually alive and have a spiritual resurrection. That's what being born again means. Have you been born again? Anything outside of that is trying to change yourself from the outside in when what God wants to do is give you a new heart and a new spirit and change you from the inside out. You say, Pastor, how can I do that? It's as easy as A, B, C. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ became your sin bearer and he died for your sins so you wouldn't have to die with your sin. And C, confess Christ as your Lord and Savior as you turn away from sin to be born again. So in just a moment, I'm going to count to three. And when I do, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus, but I've never prayed to be born again. It only happens once, just like the day you were born. Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to know God. I want to have power to turn away through repentance from the habits and hangups that have brought so much pain to my life and to the lives of others that I love. So now... I'm going to count. And if it's you on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to wave your hand and just say, Pastor, that's me. I've never been born again today. I want to be born again. I want to know Christ. One, God brought you here. Nothing's ever an accident. Two, every circumstance of your life has led to this moment. 
And now God, by his Holy Spirit, is drawing you to himself. Today's your day for a new beginning to be born again. Remember, it only happens once, just like the day you were born. If you want a new beginning to be born again, you've never been born again. Three, this is you. Raise your hand high. I'm going to pray for you right where you are. I'm going to pray for you right one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Keep it up high. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Okay. 21, 22. Put your hands down. Last 10 seconds, Pastor, I didn't raise my hand with these 22, but I should have. My heart's about to beat out of my chest. I know this is what I need. I've never been born again. I didn't raise my hand. I should have. If that's you, if you've already raised your hand, don't raise it. If you didn't, raise your hand and wave it at me right now. I'm asking this last time for you. Join these 22, 23. Anywhere else? 24. Anywhere else? All right. Now let's pray out loud together, church. All of those of you that raised your hand, we're going to join you in this prayer to be born again. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my guilt, my sin, and my shame, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Today, God is my Father, Jesus is my Savior, and I am born again in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Give it up for all those who prayed that prayer this morning.